HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by the International Culinary Center, offering courses that range from classic French techniques in culinary, pastry, and bread baking to Italian studies to management, from culinary technology to food writing, from cake making to wine tasting. For more information, visit culinarycenter.com. I'm Greg Bresnitz. And I'm Darren Bresnitz. We're the host of Snacky Tunes. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hello, hello, Heritage Radio Network listeners. I'm Jennifer Leitzi, and this is Tech Bites, the Monday afternoon radio show where we talk about the intersection of food and technology. Today, we have some very compelling guests who are starting off on their startup Kickstarter journey today. The name of their product is called Salivation. It's a video learning system, and it is founded by two gentlemen. One is Joseph Epstein, who is one of the inventors. Hello. Hello. Pleasure to be here. And his colleague, Matthew Waldman, who is also a co-founder, but more in the branding wheelhouse. It's a pleasure to be here. Welcome, gentlemen. And they were kind of the one. We have to start periscoping, I think, the episodes, because what you couldn't see on the radio was everybody kind of getting a nice... Happy Groove to our Tech Bites theme song, which we love, which is by a local DJ named Twitter. I actually found out it's Quitter. This is Jack jumping in. Oh, Jack. uh, Jack Inslee, our engineer and Heritage Radio Network executive producer and Tech Bites official DJ sound music track engineer. Yeah, so I have to correct that. He spells it the number two, U-I-T-T-E-R, which looks like Twitter, if you were to pronounce it, but it's actually supposed to be a two, like a cursive Q, I guess. It's Quitter. Oh, there you have it. So there you have it. Quitter. Yeah, we've been saying Twitter for quite a long time. Yeah, trust me. Always think of the Oneaters. Well, he DJed, uh, <laughs> Bo- he DJed Bonnaroo with us in the full service team. And when I was on the mic introducing him, that's, that's when I got corrected. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Fair it's enough. Not, it sounds yeah. like he could use a little bit of a rebranding for his logo. That's right. He is. What our listeners don't know is that before every show, I have all the guests say their names <laughs> so we can make sure that we pronounce it. Um, and the last person that we actually have to introduce is our intern, Declan, who we can learn what his voice sounds like. Hello, hello. Nice to have you. 
Um, it's worth noting that he's officially no longer an intern because his school program is over. He's officially, I guess, I don't even know what the jump is from intern to... Let's call him associate producer. Associate producer. Nice. Nice promotion. Yeah. So we start every episode of Tech Bites like a good meal with an appetizer, and that's when we go around the room and we all talk about our favorite apps, apps we love, um, sometimes old, sometimes new. And so let's start off with Joseph. Okay, great. Um, Actually, Matthew turned me on to um, this app, and it's called W3W. And I saw it on his LinkedIn, and it's what three words. Um, it's interesting way they've gridded out three meter by three meter squares for the entire world, and it's cataloged by just three words. So, chair, lamp, table might be the seat I'm sitting in right now. Um, it's, a, it's a global, universal, global positioning for addressing to get rid of street addresses. Oh, okay. And I found it very interesting the concept of. Instead of meet me at the, you know, if you're at like a Bonnaroo or something like that, and you're like, meet me at the third uh, stall over here, then instead it's meet me at table lamp chair, and that's where we are. And you can look on it and find the within three square meters, the entire spot. So, What happens if there are three square meters, which I'm sure there are, that have the same three words? Well, How do you know which table lamp chair, or well, yeah, in, not, in this case, we unique. are, you know, table mic headphone mm-hmm. could well, be the entire container well you're not looking for the landmarks it's just a it's it's a naming system it's, it's a, naming, a nomenclature system it's a nomenclature system to replace uh you know geo geo geotagging but in, in real they divided the whole globe into these three square meters so that most of the world like if you live in rural africa there's no street names or addresses and there's Eventually, uh, drone-based delivery systems, for example, will will be able to find people based on this system, uh, as opposed to a traditional address system. It's it's really more of a theoretical design yeah. type project. It seems more like an exercise or a theory or a it is, project. Yeah. It's interesting though. Mm-hmm. Almost it, almost something that you would see at MoMA, like one of those living art projects where we're going to grid the world and give yeah. it all names. And are all the names in English, or do the, does it then translate into different languages? It yeah, does. apparently they have what, like, Chaise, 30, tabla, 35 Lompa. languages, I think. Yeah. yeah. So it's 30, uh, yeah, something like that. And it's just interesting um, labor of love to 57, tr- 57 billion, I think, words. Is that what they said? Something like that. But So the letter, the letter W, the number three, the letter W. Mm-hmm. W3W. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That I have never heard of. Is it getting any traction? I have. It's getting traction on the blogs. I mean, people design and on the and on the radio. And yeah, yeah uh, design right blogs. Uh, design blogs are writing a lot about it because it's uh, you know a lot of design when it's successful is about the system, not necessarily uh, the look and feel. Or um, and my obsession uh, with design is really linguistics, the linguistics of design, visual design process. Is there a grammar to design? And so th- those types of projects like W3W are quite they're interesting. But I agree. I don't. I don't really feel it's a practical system. I just think <laughs> it's a very interesting to see how far someone has actually taken it. Well, yeah. that's fun. Yeah, yeah, once it gets integrated in something like Waze or Google Maps, then I think it would take it to the next level in that sense of directionally being able to share that through those systems. Um, because currently, right now, you can't just click on a button and then have it give you directions straight to that spot. So, Well, that's an interesting one. So, Matthew, what's your favorite app because now you can't use that one because he just snatched no, it from well, you. No, I, I have, I'm like, 
I'm like the, the cheating partner. I never stick to one app. Um, one app I've been interested in recently is a music, Musician. I'm not familiar with it. And it's uh, Y-O-U-S-I-C-I-A-N. And it's uh, a music um, learning tool. And it's got pretty much all the technology available on Android and iPhones to be... I don't know if it's on Android. I only have it on my iPhone. To learn music, to play music, to, play to music. read music? Yeah. yeah, everything. Everything? Yeah, you can tune your guitar or you can do, you know, learn through tabs. And it's, it's pretty robust in, in the way that it, uh, it works. Is it free? Yeah, I, I'm sure there's a paid version. I only have the free version, I think. Does it do pitch detection? Yeah, it does. It's really sophisticated. Really? Polyphonic and all that? Yeah, oh, it's wow. really interesting. Uh, I wanted to show it to you because there was a project that we worked on earlier that was uh, music-based, and I mm -hmm. was curious if it, if it used your IP or who actually developed it. I oh, yeah, I, yeah. My... I didn't delve too deep into it. Well, you're going to have to talk oh, to Ubisoft so on that one. Yeah. They own Something that you enjoy using and potentially uh, an antitrust lawsuit for your friend. <laughs> no, it's, uh, we won't even... Well, we're going to be... That, that's another, another show. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think exactly. so. I think yeah. so. It doesn't sound like there's food involved in that, so... No, no, no. It no, might, no. might music. not be the right place. Yeah. But, it is a, but it, it's the whole... Uh, I hate using the word edutainment, but, you know, it's a very interesting space. Mm-hmm. Declan, do you have a favorite app for us this week? I do. Um, I hope you don't think it's a cop-out, though. <laughs> um, I am not an organized person, but since I've been working here, I've been learning a lot more about scheduling. So I've been using the uh, calendar app a lot, just the regular iPhone one. And I found that it's amazingly convenient and amazingly helpful for remembering things. So uh, that was something that I really... Uh, uh, liked and enjoyed about using it. So that's good. So that's something that's been parked on your phone since you got it that you never activated until you had a reason to. Yes, exactly. I, I, I found it was very useful because I was uh, talking about booking people for full service and um, I was like, I'm never going to remember. Oh, I'll just put a reminder in my phone to tell Jack about it. So then I did, and now it's, you know, happening. <laughs> it's all happening in the radio. For those of you who don't know, Full Service Radio is Jack's DJ show on Thursday nights at 7.30, which we love. Um, and that's a nice segue into Jack with his app. Well, first I want to say that I'm never using Uber again. I'm over it, and everyone keeps saying this. So hopefully I have a review of Lyft for you next week. Um, you know, it's just like uh, recently I, I asked them for an estimate, and the, what I ended up being charged was way over that estimate. And, I mean, it, the, the problems with Uber have been well documented. So done with Uber, but something useful that I found, which is a native uh, function and uh, I guess app or just functionality of the iPhone is photo sharing. We took all these photos uh, when the DJ squad I brought to Bonnaroo performed and of course everybody wants the photos and the videos and everybody wants to see them and belated glimpse of the obvious here in the settings, if you turn on the iCloud photo sharing, you just create an album, you invite as many people as you would like to access that album and they can all join and add their own photos and easily download it to their computer and comment it's just really streamlined and easy a lot easier than like emailing each individual photo or video so they all stay in the cloud so you don't right. actually have to download them and you don't need a big wi-fi or exactly. service bandwidth to look at them all because you're essentially going up to the cloud to shuffle through all the photos yep exactly i always saw that in settings but i never 
delved in to see what it actually did. So I'm going to try I that. I did have to Google to kind of figure out how to do it. But <laughs> once I sorted it out, it was pretty easy. Well, there's a, there's another native thing about the iPhone that's just gotten really good on the latest updates is the uh, the voice to text. And I'm surprised how many people don't realize how. It's pretty good. Yeah, yeah it's I've actually it gotten too. really good. Yeah, I have not used that, but maybe I should. That might be good. My app today is something that's a little obsessive, and I'm going to open it up so we can see if anybody will recognize what it is. That is the amazing Neko Atsumi, which is the Japanese cat game. And Neko Atsumi translates to cat collecting, and it's this... spectacular animated cartoon backyard uh, Japanese home backyard and you basically buy food and toys using the cat currency of sardines regular ones are gray super ones are gold and then you put out food and toys and the stray neighborhood cats come to eat and play and then they leave you sardines to thank you and then you can buy more food and toys and acquire more cat friends and there's a photo album and you can take pictures of them and you can name them the challenging thing about it is it's all in japanese so you have to sort of figure out how to play it as you go along but it's kind of you know there are things that pop up when you're supposed to click on different things and you can figure it out by trial and error the other thing is that you need to go to a link in the Japanese iTunes or Japanese Google store to get either Android or iTunes version because you can't find it in the American U.S. shops. So look around at the TechBytes HRN social media, either Twitter, um, Instagram, and Facebook because I'll be posting the links to get it um, in the Japanese iTunes store. So. Neko Atsumi. Get it. Get obsessed. <laughs> Sounds amazing. Is it like Farmville? I don't play Farmville, so I don't know. But I can show it to you later. Okay, great. <laughs> <laughs> so I will show it to you later because it sounds like you can help me out with yeah, some of the language. Like, yeah. translating. Fantastic. So this show keeps getting better and better. <laughs> so the reason why we have Joseph and Matthew here, aside from the bonus of getting some Neko Atsumi tutorials, is... The two of them are today launching a Kickstarter for their company, which is Salivation. And we talk to a lot of food and tech companies at different stages of starting up. And what I really wanted to share with all of our listeners was what that startup journey is really like. And catching them today, when their Kickstarter launches, is a perfect moment to see how they've strategized, how they've built their product, what they think is going to happen, you know, and then hopefully they'll have their Kickstarter run and then we'll be able to talk to them at the end of the month to see, you know, how they did and if, if they made all their money. So quite briefly, um, Salivation is an app to learn how to cook through video, I'll say very simply. Um, I still haven't been able to quite figure out exactly what the differentiator is. And Joseph has developed um, activity embedded learning, which mm-hmm. from Wikipedia pertains, <laughs> refers to learning that takes place through the performance of different activities. Mm-hmm. So this is his second program where you learn something. The first one was music. Yeah. The second one is cooking. Mm-hmm. And to me on the surface of it, when I looked at all the Kickstarter videos and information, it really just seemed like a thoughtful kind of enhanced video to learn how to cook with a chef, uh, a nicely well-known chef, the chef who's partnering with them 
um, on the first series of recipes is Jonathan Wu, who's the chef at Manhattan's Fung Tu restaurant, which has gotten some nice reviews recently. So we have him creating recipes. There's videos. You follow along. You cook. You learn to cook like a restaurant chef. So I, I would love it if Joseph could explain to us what the point of differentiation is between salivation and so many of the other video cooking school sites series now that also have celebrity chefs and famous chefs, you know, step by step. For sure. I would love to. Um, so first, video I don't think would be an accurate representation of exactly what's going on with the salivation system. And the idea here is that um, to think about video recipes or online recipes is something that I would say is likened to MapQuest when it first came out. And cookbooks before would be um, just a regular map. And what we're trying to do here is, or what we are doing here, is think GPS now, where it goes with you alongside the entire process and calibrates you the whole way. And so we do, we've imparted different systems for the calibration, one of which may be, or one of them is um, cooking by the senses. So a recipe might show you technique, but it might, or technique videos online might show you an aspect of a recipe, but it won't show you all of the recipe, and it won't show you, for example, when you're supposed to be tasted, how you're supposed to adjust for it, or when you're supposed to smell, or different types of timers on how to understand it. So really, it's about a foolproof system guiding you through the whole process. So what's the difference between your system and simply a really long real-time video of the chef making the dish where you would just stop and start along the way as you're waiting for all these different moments? Oh, that's a good question. Um, the issue there is it's still a linear process. You're just on the rails at that point in time. The system itself will interrupt itself with its own internal timers. So if you're doing multiple dishes, then think about two decks of cards shuffling together. One deck would be one recipe, one deck would be the other recipe. So that they so break into each other. So As, that's an interesting element what you just said. Most yeah. of the learn to cook videos are a singular recipe. Mm -hmm. This is then multiple recipes happening at the same time in concert so you can prepare a meal at one time without having to shuffle back and forth between different videos. Exactly. It's a modular piece that the timing is all put together so you don't have to do the, the expo yourself. It's as if the chef is in the kitchen telling you, fire this, fire that, fire that. So if you're going through Does a Does it yell at you and do you have to say we chef to get to the next, I, the next it's, it's, stage? It's, it's a very kind kitchen. It's a very kind kitchen. Okay. But the idea is that you are having to play every station from all the way down from the dishwasher to the head chef of the conceptualizing. You have to do all of those pieces. You have to do all the shopping. You have to do all these processes that in a professional kitchen you have a luxury of having other people to help you out. Um, and what you don't also have when you're cooking at home is the luxury of someone telling you when to start your pasta or when to start your spinach. And if you do it out of order, what you end up is, is cold spinach and not finished mashed potatoes and a steak that's sitting there dying in the window. Um, we're here to solve that. And in the process of doing all of that, additionally, what we've done is we've taken these five meals and we've broken it down uh, on a pedagogical level so that you start off and it's it's easy, but the recipes are great, and it gets progressively harder so that you're actually getting a full culinary education without being an education. I mean, and what I mean by without being an education, that's the activity-embedded learning. You're just thinking about cooking, having a good time, and you're acquiring the skills that are needed that you would, that you would learn traditionally in a culinary school. So it, the five meals on their own are fantastic, but it gives you the skills to then go 
off the grid and create your own creations, or you'll never look at a cookbook the same. So that's really, I think, where we are much different than something like just watching a video recipe. Even if you are able to execute on that video recipe, it doesn't necessarily translate to the next time you're going to cook something that is even similar. You don't realize that. And so what we're trying to do is break down every action, every movement of the chef, and then being able to give that to you in a way that isn't linear so that you can see, and I'm sorry if that seems a little confusing, but in a way that the trigger points are right. So the first time you chop an onion, it gives you some information maybe about what this onion is, the properties, the seasons, how to choose an onion um, while you're going through it. But the second time will tell you, tell you more techniques or so that it continually evolves with you. So that's a lot, a lot of information, um, but it also does. No, that's okay. It sounds also like it's uh, going to be a tool that has a lot of different layers for the users, um, and we will hear more about who those potential users are when we come back from our quick break to find out who our fantastic sponsors are and listen to some music from Jack. And this is Laura Palmer. By Rectech. We'll be right back. Center is a proud sponsor of the HeritageRadioNetwork.org. The ICC, with locations in New York and California, provide cutting-edge education to future chefs, restaurateurs, and wine professionals. We're proud to claim Dan Barber, Bobby Flay, and David Chang among our honored alumni. This is Dorothy Can Hamilton from Chef Story. Check out our ICC website at InternationalCulinaryCenter.com. Well, if you've just joined us and you're wondering what the hell you clicked on, this is Tech Bytes on the HeritageRadioNetwork.org. And every Monday afternoon at 1 p.m., we talk about the intersection of food and technology. And today, that technology is a new app called Salivation, and it is meant to teach you how to cook while cooking a five-course meal created by a restaurant chef. So today is the launch of Salivation's Kickstarter program, and we're talking to them about how these food tech businesses start. So um, one of the founders, Joseph Epstein, the man who also designed it, tell us what you hope to do with your Kickstarter campaign that launches today. Well, Kickstarter, I think, is a great platform. Um, what it really does is it gives you an opportunity to reach out to your future customers, your fans, and see... Um, really, so, but that's like marketing speak. You want yeah. to reach out to future customers. I mean, from a business owner's perspective, you are on Kickstarter to achieve what things? Well, exactly? there, are, there are a few things. I mean, one, it's market validation. It's one thing, and it's 
much easier from my experiences because I've done this before, raising friends and family money or angel investment. Um, you can get, all you have to do is have one person say, this is an amazing idea. I'm going to plunk down a million dollars. Great. Now, um, if you're trying to do a larger raise than that, that doesn't really do much for the due diligence process of doing a real Series A. Um, but whereas when you're doing this, then if you have 3,000 people who are putting money in, it really lets you know on a, on a due diligence level that there is a market for this product. Um, so your Kickstarter is scheduled to run how many days? Uh, 31 days. And you hope to raise how much? 125000 125000 And so with the premise of it being sort of the proof of concept and the market testing, how many contributors do you hope to have? Well, do you ma- know? Ma- well, mathematically, that would be at $49, it would be around 2,500. Okay. People. So, so that, that's what we're looking for. Obviously we would love to go higher, but you know, <laughs> I'm sure everyone who does a Kickstarter hopes to go higher. This is a, it's a digital product. It's not a food delivery service. So it's not like we're going to run out of something True. that we can offer people. Yeah. It's not like the changes to manufacturing. This is a digital product. So it works very well on that. So in terms of what you are offering people initially, how do you figure out what that will be in terms of are you trying to be strategic about what you think is going to be compelling? Are you trying to use product? Are you trying to use things that are cost effective to the business at this stage? Uh, could you repeat the question? I'm sorry. I love the, um, I forget what they, what do they call them on Kickstarter? The things that people get, the rewards? Oh, the rewards. The, back the rewards. rewards. Yes, uh, the back rewards. So, yeah, so it's all things to support the actual system. And I love that there are the T-shirts and the apron things on a lot of these Kickstarters. But I felt that that was slightly a distraction from our mission, which is really to get you what is in the actual system. That really does the best. So we have different tiers for if you go on today, you get the early bird special. You get, um, it would, it's a discount. Or not discount, but it, it's a, you know $39 as opposed to $49. Um, the other thing is we are doing one with an upgraded package where we would – uh, we'll ship you also a lot of the tools, uh, not the not nothing expensive. We use very common kitchen tools that you might not have that we use in the in the meal. We'll send that to you as well. So think fish spatula, fish tweezers. Right. So you think you're mm-hmm. trying to give people first of all the actual product itself for that experience, and then secondarily um, non digital things that will help them enhance that experience. For sure, the the non digital things that you will be using <laughs> while you're cooking. This isn't a video. Ga- I mean, it is a video game, but it's not because you're cooking. You're really doing the cooking. So that's so you need specific tools, saute pans or right. whatever. Right. So we're gonna give you the things that we think are the best suited for the way that we cook, and the way that we cook are the ways that we've learned in professional kitchens. And most home cooks don't have that opportunity to, you know. Use use painter tapes and a Sharpie. I mean, things like that. That's true. Although I think today a lot of – there's a lot of content out there that allows people into the restaurant kitchen and professional cooks. I mean, there are so many services, free videos and things like that. You know, even here, Heritage Radio has been around for a while, and that gives you insight into the professional uh, kitchen. So there are things that are are unique about it, but it's also in a space that is – you know, pretty full. I think the the cooking celebrity chef category is is pretty full. Matthew, how important is building the brand going to be at this stage of the game? Well, I think in any uh, se- sector or category that is, like you said, is full. The only way the way to differentiate is through unique content, um, a better system, but also to outmarket and outbrand the the competition. And uh, one of the points you've made. Uh, we could, you know, say that what we're planning to deliver has uh, better content and also more comprehensive content. There's a lot of resources out there 
uh, for cooking and skill acquisition, but it's a little bit fragmented. There's, uh, you might have to go on Google for something and mm -hmm. one website for another. And in terms of a brand, um, my feeling is that most of the existing services and software, there's uh, too much of a focus on the word recipe, for example, or the word chef. And it can be uh, that, that you, you're targeting a specific type of person. And I think by consciously calling uh, this product salivation, um, you are going to cast a wider net. You're going to get people really excited about delicious food. So it's the, the brand focus is on the end product. The product is all about the process and how you, how you get these skills and produce the food. But the first touch point with the brand is about something that's so delicious that you're salivating. And, and I feel that that's going to be a, a big differentiator as well. So what is your mission as the branding person over the next 31 days? What are you going to be watching and doing while the Kickstarter campaign is up and running? Well, I'm going to read all the comments um, and try to do a little bit of uh, psychological analysis of the people that are engaged to see, um, you know, getting press is something that uh, both Joseph and I are pretty good at, but it's how you utilize it and uh, to actually get real market insights and end user insights from it is going to come from comments and, and emails. So it's, uh, it's scary and exciting at the same time when you launch one of these campaigns. And Joseph, what's going to be your primary focus over the next 31 days in terms of watching and interacting with the campaign? Um, you know, that's a good question. There, my day is completely full every day, so it, and it changes every day. Um, but there has been requests for additional content for if someone, a reporter, has a question about something and they, they want to know. I mean, I have a deep reserve of documents. Well, that's publicity, or, though. That's no. not the Kickstarter. So the Kickstarter goes live, and then... Yeah. Well, you, you, need, you need a... A, you need very well uh, modulated PR to get a Kickstarter to your goal and past your goals. So PR is one of the primary focuses of the Kickstarter also. Well, I mean, it is, it is a great great piece of it, yes, for sure. Um, and there are many requests. At the same time, I'm also doing the regular business operations at the, to keep the company going. I mean, you know, there's a ton of legal that you have to do and all that and working with my, the accelerator that I'm in um, and making sure that we have everything planned and properly set up so that so, we can actually execute on our vision. So in terms of the Kickstarter, though, your day-to-day -day activity is going to be responding to media requests. And, and the people, the requests from all the people and all and the comments, <laughs> the and, com and, the comments and all mm -hmm. that stuff. And if I have to generate more content, if anyone has a question about anything, then uh, I'll have to create those, those assets for people. So what's your goal in terms of do you have an internal uh, timetable of where you want to be financially from day to day? I've heard different statistics about Kickstarter that successful campaigns raise 50 percent of the funds in the first few days. And if you don't do that, you won't hit the mark. Um, I've heard things that say, you know, it has to be um, within half the amount of time or this many. You know, do you have an internal strategy for where you need to be? I mean, the easy answer is that I want to be at least 100% on the last day. It would be fantastic. That's really what we're looking for. But on the, you know, and the studies I read was 30% in the first three days. So that right. would be fantastic. Do you have an internal calendar of checking in and saying like, oh, after the first week, we're only at 10%. We need to do something. Do you have... 
We we did a Kickstarter campaign at Heritage Radio mm-hmm. um, recently to raise funds to build the brand new website, um, and we had a show with Kickstarter to talk about how it works. And you know, we were very conscientious with the Heritage Radio Kickstarter of tracking the funds from you know week to week, and then having different um, marketing or social media activities in place as we were ticking through the calendar. So do you have a similar? Yeah, we have, we have all that set up and, you know, depending on, you know, the slotting in where we're at, what day, what percent we're at and, um, how much further we have to go and where we think we, we have, um, I guess the one stat and also in Squarespace, there's also those metrics on who's visiting your site and being able to see, um, where the traffic is coming from so that we can see, oh, this came from this publication or they came for this. So, well, why don't we try and go and engage with those people and see what we, what was different about this specific uh, piece of press or this thing that, that we would have to reformulate our message to make sure that that's what's really activating people. So are you going to be reviewing and iterating on a daily basis, on a weekly basis? Oh, I think it has to be daily. Yeah. This is, uh, this is uh, if not hourly. It can be very obsessive, can it? It is. Sitting in front of the dashboard, watching the clicks and the likes and the comments. Yeah. And then it's also, you know, uh, there is such a, you know, celebrity is a big part of marketing these days. You can't, you know, and a lot of times, like with the previous campaigns I've done, you'll see someone that's, uh, that you might not even be in your network that's famous in the field and they make a contribution and that's exciting. And then you have to figure out how can you, can you leverage reach out that the person and leverage that? And it's uh, screenshot it, tweet it. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, of course we wish you, you know, success and hope you hit your numbers and everything. Do you have a strategy if you don't? Well, I mean, it does very good indicator. That's where you start talking about pivoting is the pivoting of the message. I think that the product is um, pretty set and we're pretty excited about it. It's really about either we didn't do a good job of explaining the product or we didn't find the and we didn't find the right audience or there is a fundamental problem with 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 that, that we did say the right thing. We found the right people and they don't like it. And that would take a much different approach to how we would move forward. Um, And I think that um, we would have to see how how the metrics are, how the press and how the people are responding to see how we would want a future go move forward in the future. Well, it's definitely an exciting time. Um, and unfortunately we are out of time, but I do want to thank Joseph and Matthew for coming in and sharing the inside look at this story. And maybe we can talk to you after, you know, on day 32 to see (laughs) how the campaign went and how you evolved and, and the money that you made so that we can sort of experience a little bit the, the ride of a startup. It'd be an an honor. So thank you. So I want to thank you for coming out to Roberta's Pizza in Bushwick, Brooklyn, where the Heritage Radio Network studio is. I want to thank all my guests for listening. I want to thank Jack and Declan in the back for making it happen. And I want to thank DJ Quitter for the amazing Techno Tech Bites theme song. for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.